Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, Karen, let's do some trials and triumphs. Okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? I'll go. Why not? Okay. I have so okay. many triumphs. So many triumphs. That's good. Where to start. Triumphs are good. Yes. Okay, so I'll start with this. On your Instagram, a little while back, in your stories, you threw out the question of should we keep the dust jackets on our books or oh, pull the yes. dust jackets mm-hmm. off our books our pretty books mm-hmm. you know yes. and decor books decor books yeah which you and i both have a lot of um because we read every book that of every guest that we have yes. on here um and so on a whim over the weekend i took all of mine off and then rearranged them um so that the colors were more pleasing to me because I had re- had them rearranged mm-hmm. by the color of the dust jacket. And jacket, yeah. yeah, and now it's just the spine of the book itself. And I really love it. They feel so much more elevated without the paper on them, oh. more than I would have expected. Uh, and so I'm quite pleased. Good. You know, it's funny. I There was a total mixed bag. It was 50-50 of those that remove Mm -hmm. and those that keep it on. So I was very, um, I don't know what I expected, but you know, what did you do? I don't think it's right or wrong. Did you take it off or leave it on? Um, are you naked or clothed? Let's go with that. I'm 50, 50 actually. At your house? As is, yes. As a, as a general rule, I typically would take the dust jacket off. Mm hmm. As I said, I do have several drawers that have jackets in them that are all rumpled. I don't know why I keep them because am I ever going to put them back on? No. Um, But there are a few that I have that I actually really like the room on the cover or the colors or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I've kept them on. And I do find that sometimes, especially if you're going to have the book like on a um, table right next to where you would put down a drink, you know, like next to... A, on a side table mm-hmm. versus like a bookshelf. Um, it's kind of nice to have the jacket on because then it doesn't linger, leave a ring on the Protects it, fabric. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's there for protection. So if it's going to be in a spot yeah. where it might get messed up, that makes sense. Well, all right. So I didn't, I didn't know what to do with the jackets, which was another thing yes. you addressed on the, on your yes. Instagram. So now they're in a pile on the floor next to my sofa. And I'm like, I yes. don't know what to do. Mm. Um, amongst those who got rid of the jackets, it was also 50-50 of kept for some unknown reason in a, in a random drawer versus threw them away. It truly is like an unknown reason. Pr- it's an unknown yeah. reason, right? But why? What are you going to do? It's, they get all rumpled and, and I'm going to go shape back and, you're and not put gonna, them back on? Yeah. No. No. No, you're not going to. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm disciplined enough to just ditch them without remorse but i probably should just rip the band-aid off you know rip the jacket know. so far i'm happy good so, oh yeah. i'm glad that is my triumph although here's my trial as i'm um you know i, I told y'all that i had my 
son here from New York for a lot of COVID with his cat, which I like the cat a lot. Holden. Holden is a black cat. Mm-hmm. I My house is light. So mm-hmm. now that yes, Holden and his lights. daddy are back in New York, there's oh, you can't hear the Holden still around. And, you know, he scratched up a lot of my furniture. Holden scratched my furniture. And so that makes me not happy with Holden. Um, and, you know, I have that new white sofa that I got. Oh, no. And it is umbrella fabric, so I, it's cl- it means it's easy to clean. But he did, you know, paw at it a little bit. Now, I figured out about halfway through, and all of you cat owners probably already know this, uh, from a girlfriend of mine, to take clear packing tape and put it along the edges of the things the cat likes to scratch. So I had had a few cube ottomans and kind of the back of the sofa and the arms of the sofa. So you can't really see it. And it was fine. And I did that. And that really, I think saved it because the cat did not Uh scratch if it had the clear tape on the edge. Um, But mm, that cat scratch fever. That's, that's real. That's real stuff. (laughs) Made me mad. So that's my trial. I'm, it's fine. Well, I'm going to just so trim any, is anything... and tidy it up. And, I don't know. Nothing's ruined, okay. ruined. Okay. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Um, that's just not pristine like maybe it was before. Yeah. You know what? That's life. I need it. You know what? I'm going to live, practice what I preach and say, you know what? Every time I look at that, it's going to be a memory of when they were here and what a lovely time that was. Yes, that's true. You know, Lots I don't live in time. a museum. I live in a home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good reminder. Mm-hmm. What you got? I don't. I don't really have any trials. Um, I do have two small triumphs. So um, my first triumph is that I've been getting spring fever, mm-hmm. and I decided to. You know, our new house has a big, a pretty big yard. A lot of the yard is not um, really useful. It's sort of like a hill kind of. Yeah, you live on a hill. It's filled with, yeah, it's it's Mm -hmm. like a hill with lots of um, ivy everywhere. Anyway, but, um, so we, and we do have grand plans for the whole, like we sort of have a whole master plan of what it will look like at some point. And we're doing it kind of in patches. I told you all about um, my trees Atlanta purchase last fall. And we did a big planting then. Well, spring is coming up. So it's time for me to start planning our spring planting projects. Yes. And we have sort of, two areas um, that I've been thinking about in particular. One is um, when we had our patio poured last summer, the apron of our driveway, which is kind of like the um, where your driveway meets the street, you know, it's sort of like a flare. Yes. Um, It was all cracked up. Like I guess whenever they had poured it the first time, it wasn't poured correctly. And so it was just shattered into a million pieces. So they removed that section and then we had it report anyway. So it looks great. Will got a new mailbox for Christmas. That's awesome and very <laughs> contemporary. So that looks good. The problem is that all of the planting around those two areas that now look so nice is horrible. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, Will has sort of made kind of a little plan of what, what plants we want to do. And some of them, are rose bushes. So I had to order my roses from Antique Rose Emporium. <laughs> of course they are. Um, and I'm really excited about them. They're, it's called the Penelope Rose, and it's supposed to be great for hedges. And they're supposed to mature quickly. They have light pink flowers and very important, I mean, if you don't want your flowers to repeat, that's fine. But very important reminder when you're ordering roses, look for repeat 
bloomers. So they bloom like all spring, summer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Anyway, so I'm very excited about that. And then I also, I mentioned this kind of hill um, and it's mostly just covered with like ivy and weeds. So my plan is to try, I was kind of, I was inspired by you and Taryn's seed projects a couple years ago and I ordered a bunch of wildflowered seeds. So I have to, I'm going to kind of pull back all of the ivy um, and then, and like sort of till up the soil a little bit, but then I'm going to scatter wildflower seeds. So I hope they do well. I have no idea. I've never once grown anything from seed except for maybe like in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. you know, in a class project. Mm -hmm. Um, and I probably killed it. So it's going to be very experimental, but you know, it's like $20 in seeds for a ton. Inexpensive and not a lot of labor. If they don't all, we have torrential rain sort of in the spring. If they don't all get washed down the hill, it should seem Seems like it would work. Yes. Apparently I need to cover, um, once I've planted the seeds, I need to cover them with straw so that they don't get washed down the hill when you're planting on a Mm -hmm. slope. And then at the very top of that hill, that's sort of, it's sort of the sunniest part in our yard. And I ordered a bunch of peony bulbs. So I'm very excited about that. So I think that's going to work. I cannot find the right spot in my yard for peonies. I just, it's, it it's so pretty, depressing because I love them. It's it's pretty full sun. I mean, I think but that... Do they like full sun? I thought mm-hmm. they didn't like full sun. Yeah, they want full sun. Oh, well, maybe that's my problem. Yeah. I got to move mine around again. All right. Um, I'm pretty You know sure. what, J- Caroline? Also put some cayenne pepper in your seed mix. Okay. Keep those squirrels away. Okay. Um, one thing I was reading said that you should mix your seeds with sand... Um, so that you can see where more easily where you've scattered them. So I need to do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll put a little cayenne in there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm very excited. I ordered, I think I got like 10 peony bulbs. Um, and last spring I was sort of looking at peonies. Um, and they're pretty expensive for a full, for like an actual bush. It's like some more like a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. but this way I got bulbs. So they'll obviously take much longer to mature, but it was like $50 for like five so and the varieties there's this um i went through a place called eden brothers and Mm -hmm. um the varieties are a lot prettier than if you were to just i think go to like your average nursery so anywho i will have to i will pour back on how they do obviously have a lot of planting and digging to do in the spring but i'm very excited about it i'm so ready for warm weather so it was getting me you know all in the mood and then my and for those for those people who are not in atlanta I mean, and they're covered in snow still. Yes. Don't hate us. But it is starting to be warm and sunny here. So we're all yes. itching to get out there and do our yards. Yeah. I mean, you know, March is really planting season for spring. Right. March, early April. Um, I think most of these I'll probably plant first, like, Easter weekend. So, um, and then my other thing that I just wanted to share with everyone, it's not related to my house at all, but it's... Um, we had a guest a couple years in the show. His name is Kevin Isbell, and he is so funny. And he's been doing the funniest reels on his Instagram about, I guess, sort of um, <laughs> decorating trends that need to end. And yeah, decorating don't. Decorating don'ts. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're just so funny. And so I would just highly suggest anyone go check those out because there were a few that really made me laugh out loud. And um, anyways, that, that just made my very funny. made my week. So and yeah. it's and it's I S B E L L is yes I S B E L L. If you're looking for him, yeah. look, he's so good. Yeah. So anyway, those are my 
my triumph, my trials and triumphs. All right. All right. Great. Cool. Let's talk to our guest. So our guest today is Tracy Connell. She is an interior designer in Dallas, Texas, whose work has been featured in Traditional Home, Lux Magazine, and many more. She calls her style ease of glamour. And your aim is, you talk about how your aim is to design homes that are easy to live in, easy to care for, and bulletproof, which I love that word. We're going to get to that more in a minute. Um, But you're also a business coach and an advocate for female entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you, ladies. Yes, we're happy to have you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And um, I just loved that bulletproof word because I feel like that's just such a like emotional word, and it really, you know, as as it's supposed to, covers all manner of challenges that you might have. You know, maybe you don't have kids, or maybe you're an empty nester, but you entertain a lot. So there are a lot of reasons to have it. But um, it seems like you were really on the forefront of the sort of performance movement. You know, I think in the last couple of years, that's sort of been an emerging term and something people talk about more with more regularity. But you've been talking about this since 2011 when you launched your business. So tell us more. (laughs) Well, it was funny because I launched my business. I started in this career probably in year 2000. And then I did this as like a second income. And then 2011 is when I really have to make this into something. So that's when I got super serious. But it was interesting because at that point, there were a lot of business coaches and people talking about, you need to have a niche. You had to have a niche. And I'm like, I just do everything. Like, I don't even know what my niche is. But I really had to dig deep and find out what the pain points were for me, you know, in relationship to my client. And I figured out that. I never wanted a client disappointed in me or my firm or the experience. And sometimes when that would happen, it would be with like a performance on a piece of furniture we would put in a space. So I really dug deep kind of on an emotional level. And I I looked back when I was raising my kids at that point, they were starting to be their teenage years. But I remembered like when my son was drinking out of a sippy cup, I think it was Gatorade or something. And the orange like spilled onto the carpet. Well, I couldn't get it out. And so I did, you know, rearrange the furniture and how upset I was that whole thing. Right. So I connected those two things and thought, you know, they're calling us for easy solutions. And the goal is, and my goal is to spend more time with friends and family and make more memories, not to tend to my house and not to worry. And like you said, whether it's kids or, you know, couples that entertain or grandparents or pet owners at that point in 2011, like you're right. I mean, bulletproof might've been like plastic on a sofa, but uh, it has evolved. (laughs) Definitely. It's evolved. Yeah. It has been amazing. The technology advancement from just the past few years for home. I mean, why do you think it took so long? No, you know, I think because when you think about like the fabrics and the Krypton before it was always used in commercial spaces. And I think maybe, you know, the technology had to come along with it to create these fabrics 
that were soft to the touch. And it didn't feel like you were in, I mean, think about, they've been using it in say, you know, assisted living and nursing homes forever. Restaurants. But you can even mm-hmm. look at that commercial fabric and mm-hmm. go, oh yeah, that, that seems crunchy or, you know. That- right. Feels yes. like a conference room yes. chair or something. So yes. Or a, oh, like a hospital waiting right. room. You're right. And even, even the hard yes. surfaces. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of new construction and renovation, but hard surfaces too. And mm-hmm. what you put on it on a kitchen table, uh, what's baked into mm-hmm. the finish. Um, you know, obviously the countertop revolution and porcelain and all mm-hmm. those things just to make it easier to, you know, keep up with your home. Yeah. Maintenance, yeah. Well, even if you think about yes. restaurants these days, they, they look more and more, less and less industrial, I guess, and more and more residential, mm-hmm. I think. So many of the surfaces and just mm-hmm. feels homier than it yes. ever has yes, before. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So obviously, we all know a lot about performance fabrics these days. Maybe that, you yes. know, obviously, it's come a long way. And I think, you know, even Ballard, we have a bunch of performance options as do many um, retailers, but what is, what is on the horizon? What do you see as being like the next, you know, wave of making your house easier? I love that concept, having to worry and spend less time keeping your house up and more time just living in it. Yes. And I think, you know, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon with these products, any life hacks or anything that we can do to save time, you know, and I think even rollouts of, you know, some of our clients who I would consider, you know, ideal clients, they want a concierge package. They want, you know, we kind of roll in from ease of glamour. It looks so great. You know, it looks like a you know million dollar room, but it's easy to live in and it rolls into ease of experience. And that's kind of where we've pivoted a little bit of really talking about the experience of living in your home and, you know, sometimes it's easier to outsource to professionals who know what they're doing to keep this up again. So you can actually live and entertain. And I mean, look at the wear and tear on the houses right now with everybody being home. So even rolling into like a concierge package where, you know, the drapes are taken down and real, you know, cleaned and light bulbs changed. And you know, kind of thinking like, is this an individual, like a house manager? I know. Right. We've been talking about it, um, of actually creating it. Cause it just goes with our branding. Um, we've shifted again into ease of experience, but it would be like a maintenance level package, sort of an add on where it, maybe it's four times a year. You're changing a light bulbs, you're touching up baseboards, um, you know, maybe resealing the countertops, oh. uh, reapplying like fiber seal or fabric protecting on some of your furnishings. Um, all those little things to kind of refresh the house. And sometimes so it's this hard. is so your business so doing smart. this. You're not there's not a house manager or someone that's doing this. Y'all come in. You have your drapery. Oh. No, and we haven't even started this yet. It is sort of in the works because it's such an a, like an add on to what we're already skilled in. But you know, right now everybody really is in. They're they're knowledgeable on you know the different the research that has to do with durability. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. talk about it a lot more um, and we just dig into every product. So it's a natural extension when we talk about the ease of experience. And that is, you know, sometimes all you care about is really the way the space makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And that's our end goal now. What can we do to evoke the feeling that you want for you and your family? Uh-huh. Tracy, are there places in our home where we should just throw performance aside and just be like, you know what? I just want this beautiful, delicate, silk embroidered thing. Or is that just silly? I don't think that's silly at all. It's just like marble countertops. I mean, we are not seeing a slowdown of marble countertops. It's our job to, to educate the client on what may happen. It may patina. It may show a ring. It may show some etching. If you're fine with that, and that actually creates stories of, mm-hmm. well, guess when this happened? You know, someone had too many uh, lemon drop martinis and, <laughs> you know, and it etched the counter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there are spaces, obviously, you can pick and choose. And mm-hmm. if it's mainly a space for you, you know how you're going to treat it. Um, and now there are also beautiful silks and things that you can put in a space and then have it just fabric protectant where, you know, again, it looks luxurious and you can spend mm-hmm. some extra money to have what you really want. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, there's no, there's no worse feeling to me than to have someone in my home. And I have some friends with little children and I love having them around. I just think they're adorable. There's no worse feeling to me than to, to feel uncomfortable letting them be on anything. And that mother feeling uncomfortable about them being on anything. You know what I mean? In my house. So if I did that, I'd probably have to put it in like a private space or, you know, my room or something where I wouldn't be like, oh, they can't sit on that chair. You know, I don't want it to feel precious. Absolutely. Because that's awkward. Right. Exactly. And that you're, you're not your welcoming host. Right. And, and the thing is too, like, you know, husbands are the worst. So (laughs) you've got to, you know, keep them out. They're worse than kids. Yeah. We complain about our kids, but it, yeah, maybe it's the buffalo wing sauce from the husband. <laughs> I, I think so. that stuff's hard most to get of out. the time. Most of the time, <laughs> but it's a good kind of safety net, you know, to pick and choose on, right? Some of those what about materials. technology? This is this is a recent thing that I've learned about mm-hmm. um, your Wi-Fi enabled light bulbs where you can like change the brightness and turn it on from another room and I kind of learned about it because a friend of mine said she had one in her daughter's room because her daughter wouldn't turn the light out and so she would just turn the light out for her Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like forcing bedtime you know but um what is there is there anything that you're doing in terms of technology to make things easier well again when we talk about the overarching goal of the firm is the ease of experience for our clients and some of the things, I mean, most of them, like we're doing new construction, will definitely have a smart system in their home, but not everyone can have a fully integrated Lutron system. Mm-hmm. So obviously there, there are hacks. Um, we, we have Alexa at home and I splurged and got motorized Lutron shades. We have a, like a courtyard and it, all these windows that, surround the courtyard so me going in like you know putting them up and down every day we did that and then we had a house fire and then on the flip end I was like okay we gotta make this easier Mm -hmm. but all I have to do is tell Alexa to turn on all shades open or closed with my voice and they all go down it is magical Mm. it really is and then you know also with the light bulbs we've got them on every light bulb and lamp in the house. Um, and you can also like even on your garage door. Now they're Wi-Fi enabled. So if you're not there, 
and you have a worker coming or somebody, you can enable it from your phone, open your garage door. Mm -hmm. So, and then now all the cameras, it's almost, again, it's making things easier. So you're not mm-hmm. waiting home or you're not in community. It's just, it's weird. It's almost like our time is so valuable. We're just shortcutting everything. Well, I think yeah. we've, de- we've decided to spend it on things that matter to us and, yes. and use technology to our advantage, right? It's almost like having a house manager. Alexa yeah. can yeah. be our house manager. Um, yeah. Pretty soon. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, we, and again, I just had this eye opening experience we uh during covid we purchased a lake house and my husband went in and put the widest led bulbs everywhere all the cam lights all all the lamps no and i and i so it was like walking into a target yes and i lived (laughs) it for you know because i mean i like everything bright too but i was like something about this it's not making me feel good. And I couldn't put my yeah. finger on it. I was like, oh my God, we have to change all the light bulbs. So I sent him to get like 3000 Calvin. He's not happy. <laughs> I just said, I can't even be in this space without it. Because again, the way it made me feel, I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be there. Agreed. So yeah, lighting is huge. Lighting is huge. As long as he can voice activate it, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of the the homes in your portfolio because they are big. There are true. a lot of really big, I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous homes. But it's I'm Texas. Wondering if they're everything's ways, big in Texas. Yeah, everything's right? bigger in Texas. But so, yeah. you know, some of these rooms, and I, and I felt like there was a lot of open, open floor plans. And so I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through laying out an open floor plan and also how do you make them feel less cavernous and really like – give them that homey feel despite their grand scale? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It has a lot to do with space planning. So we go into everything, you know, with AutoCAD and really just move things around because sometimes you're creating a room within a room and taking the big space that's the kitchen and the dining and then the living, it's all one like rectangle. In creating these different moments to actually divide them without putting up dividers. So that's area rugs, that's wall covering, um, that's drapery, you know. And also what's so interesting now, I think the builders have realized that these two-story living rooms, it's just not warm. We're seeing still a lot of 12 foot ceilings, 11 foot, but I think the real estate is actually more important on the top of the room and just to bring it down. So we've been doing that in a lot of our, our projects where we are trying to bring the ceilings down, like in bathrooms when they're 12 feet, you know, in the minute you say to a client, Hey, I think we need to bring it back down to 10 just to give you this feeling of comfort rather than you're not an eight foot foot person. No, you know, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So we do try to wrap it with textiles, defined spaces, um, furniture groupings, and even strategic lighting just to delineate those spaces. I think, I think the plans are changing and especially it depends on where you are in say in Dallas where we are, because the closer you get into the city, 
the less real estate that you have. And so you're not seeing these big, giant, cavernous areas um, because you've got to put a second story and a third story because you're going up. Mm-hmm. And out more in the suburbs is where you get sort of those those really expansive homes. When you say strategic lighting, what do you mean? Is this- like for example, um, in some of these sitting areas, just dropping where you're dropping pendants or sometimes okay. you're taking a grouping of light fixtures and maybe they're all at different levels, you know, for that is really your focal point. And maybe it's something that's out of the ordinary where you wouldn't normally, maybe it's in a corner of a room to create, you know, a sitting area. And obviously you know, that goes into the new construction plans or renovation plans. We're always trying to push the needle and just to present things that obviously our clients wouldn't, thought about and then that's their decision right whether they want to spend the money to do it um what about drape you, you mentioned um one of the ways that you divide a space is with drapery and i'm wondering are you mm-hmm. doing different drapes in each and i'm using in quotation marks space even though it's an open floor plan or are they should they all coordinate you know if i'm still talking about say let's the the big room the kitchen the dining the the living room you know sometimes in living room we'll do some beautiful panels and then we'll take a coordinating fabric or maybe the same fabric and we'll add a banding and do roman shades um you know at the kitchen nook right and then in the kitchen uh we try to put long panels where we can whether they're sheer or they're operable but yes the coordination obviously is key and i think the texture too because obviously that's going to create differences in the functions of the room based on how formal um, and how well they blend. So lots of opportunity on the drapery side for sure. So I guess the short answer is they don't have to match, but they should coordinate. Yes. That's but a that, long answer. Yes. You're right. No, it's a good answer. Like that's good answer. We get this question a lot about even rugs or lighting, you know, and these, like you said, there's so many mm-hmm. open floor plans and that sort of applies to all of that. It has to coordinate, but right. not exactly match. That's hard. I think that's hard for people to figure out. You know, you are right. It is hard, but sometimes, you know, it's it's homeowners get really wrapped up into the hard rules. Oh, if I have, you know, gunmetal gray on this fixture, I need to have it on, you know, in the foyer, or I have to have it in the dining room, or I have to have it in the kitchen. And, you know, what we're seeing now I mean, why not put seagrass over the dining table? Maybe put, you know, three, you know, domes. It, it, there are ways to mix all this together without, and I know that's so hard, especially when you're, you're doing this yourself to kind of take that chance and, and to try it. And maybe it's, you know, you take the seagrass from the light fixtures in the dining room and you bring a seagrass rug or a jute basket or something that's going to pull that around. Yeah. To connect, connect it. And I think those make them more interesting spaces where you are mixing lots of materials and textures instead of mixing like fabric patterns all the time. Right. Which can get real busy. Yeah. It's almost like asking. Yeah. It's almost like asking, would the same person pick this out? It doesn't have to be the same finish, but like, would this, are they friends? Do they seem like the same person? Yes. Are they friends? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like having, right, a group effort, right? And, you know, and again, I think that's hard sometimes. But 
here's the thing. If they order from you guys, I'm, I'm assuming you take you, you that's take right. returns. So that's you're right. not, yeah, you're, that's you're not, you're not quite stuck with it if you're like, mm. but I say, I say, try it. If your gut says, okay, I'm really going to do this. And I say, give it a shot because now rules are being broken all over the place as far as design goes. And I think that's a really, and I'm assuming you guys make presentation boards and stuff for your clients where you're showing them here's, here's kind of the vibe. Here's what we're doing. And I think if people do that for themselves, they can see what stands out here as the sore thumb, what doesn't work. Right. And that's super easy to do. Just, you know, you could do it Mm -hmm. on a word doc. Take the squares, layer them, and then you're right. You can actually see, and there's tons of examples on mm-hmm. Pinterest and things. Um, you know, and even sketching out a little floor Or plan. just call Tracy. But she will help you not make just, big, yeah. expensive mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you are, well, really anywhere, we do have an online design program too where um, it's virtual. We've had this for years and years and years where we do provide. The options from say Ballard and some of the other retail where basically we provide the link, we provide the renderings, elevations, the um, the entire concept board. They click the link, it has the price, goes wow. right to order. Yeah, it's Great all idea. dimensioned. And um, so that's that happens anywhere. And then we travel too, but that's a great way to get that look and mm-hmm. be like have the confidence to do it. Because yeah. a, a you know a true design firm right. actually put this together for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. have a helping hand. Yes, yeah. and it's oh, in scale. Gosh. That's the biggest. I think that's the hardest for anyone. No, Measuring tape. In this. <laughs> <It's hard. laughs> I know it's hard. Um, well, speaking of taking risks, mm-hmm. you, you you're okay. Your rooms are very structured, very clean, very edited. But you take some crazy, funky risks sometimes, and I loved it. I mean, there was like this one. Um, staircase and you had these two like crazy yellow chairs that looked like flowers or something i don't know i i love the way you do that and i'm wondering um when when you know okay whether to use something like classic and tailored and then when to really push the envelope yeah i think that's such a great question because even as a firm we've been working on this a lot to push the boundaries and, you know, curate some items that, again, the client wouldn't necessarily ever choose. But when we go for something like that underneath that staircase, they are seeing the entire foyer. They're seeing the dining room. They're seeing the living room and how all this connects. And if I'm excited about it, then they can see that excitement And, you know, it's not, it's, it's just like, it's almost like you have to have, and I call it the Easter egg, where in a space, it's like, you might turn around and it's like, oh my God, I found it. Like, that's cool. Like, there it is, right? There's the Easter egg that is a level of excitement and a conversation piece, because I think that it almost looks like a piece of art and whether you have to have a commissioned art piece, but I, like I said, we're pushing on that a lot because here's the thing. They're paying for our creativity, our our talent, our expertise, knowledge, experience. Why not give it to them? And if they say no, then I'll write. We have a second. <laughs> we have a second option. Right. But, yeah. but so how do you know? How so do you- does every 
Yeah, so does every space need this? Or no, do you- I don't think every space needs this. But if we're doing, say, five rooms in a home, I feel like there needs to be something special. And maybe it is a coffee table book from you know, one of the places where they love to travel. And that's in our questionnaire that we have them fill out at the beginning of every project or you know something from their childhood, a, a hobby that we can integrate in it so they understand that it's personal. So that Easter egg could be something that's a surprise to them. Just oh, like, oh, wow, like they really listened and tried to interject our lives because a lot of people are like, oh, just go after it. Well, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like if they have things that are meaningful, let's mm-hmm. use them. Yeah. Right? So speaking of accessories, I read that there was a client of yours that did not want any accessories yeah. in their home at all. Okay. Why? Why? And how does this work? And how do you design a house with to knowing no accessories? Yeah, I was really taken aback because I was like, first of all, like, how are we going to like photo shoot, have a photo shoot and it's just going to be empty. But I got, I got away from that. And I thought to myself, okay, this is because they have two young boys who ride their big wheels, whatever, all over the house. And I had to think of another way because I was going, I was on the verge of losing this potential job. Um, But I, I flipped it on its head. And I said, what could we do that's so architecturally different and stunning that would take the place of having to have all this interest on tabletops and things? And that's what we did. We created a textured, um, you know, fireplace around that went to the ceiling in black. And it was like miter together. It It was super dimensional and added, I think in the other room too, we added these big peacock Um, like woven chairs and, you know, and a pattern on the ceiling, you know, made out of wood clad. So it was taking the elements that they were like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And making it so fantastic that, you know, and and in the end, we did put accessories, but they were chunky coffee table books and like baskets. So if it went flying across Mm -hmm. the room, that's okay. There was nothing breakable. Right. Um, no lamps to flip over. But bulletproof, as you say. Bulletproof. But the thing is, if mm-hmm. I would have stood firm and no, we're gonna come with this layer and this is, you know, an end to our design phase and we're gonna make money off of this, then I would have lost the job before I even started it. I, I I really loved your, you know, that concept of really making a house enjoyable to live in. And I was wondering if, if, and you sort of have spoken to it a little bit, like making it easy and worry-free and personalized, but what do you think, are there any elements that you find always make a home just more joyful? Like, is it color? Is it good lighting? Like, what is it that makes you just feel good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Bulletproofing. Um, You know, and it's, it's, it's really funny. I have to say, for the longest time, we were about function and looking good, function and looking good. And I feel like now it's a more layered approach to design. I think it's integrating lots of textures and showing how all that combines together. It's almost like you're you're envisioning yourself sitting on that sectional in the corner with your legs tucked underneath you and having a cup of coffee like when 
my husband and I were getting a new sofa at the house. We got um, like a sectional with just a long chaise. Well, I knew now, granted, we, we've owned it married <laughs> three years. So I knew that we wanted a chaise wide enough so we both could lay down on that part and, mm-hmm. and watch TV together. And so I had customized the sofa to do that. So it's really about thinking about the way that you live. And from the moment that you get out of the car, where do you drop your keys? Where do the kids put their backpack? Do you throw your phone there to the time? Like all the steps do you put your groceries down on the, on the kitchen island? You know, when you're thinking about the build process, because a lot of times you don't think about the way that your family operates. And I'm always really, where are you going to put that mail? Like I always, where is that drop zone? And it's not on the corner of the kitchen counter. No more, you know, that's where it goes. And so thinking really and kind of taking the client through that, that process, you know, is obviously going to, you know, be a win, 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 win when they're, when they move in. I firmly believe that. Yes. Oh, sure. And creative. And there's so many things out there now to allow you so many ideas and, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole with, especially on a new construction, because the minute like you find something, there's something better. And so, you know, but sometimes we have to like, you know, put the brakes <laughs> on our clients to, <laughs> because we have to keep budget yes, in mind as well. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. our job. <laughs> that would probably bode well for me to have a designer because sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, just one more thing. Just one more thing. <laughs> right. like, you know what, lady? <laughs> Stop it. Enough. So <laughs> we much. do have a lot of um, aspiring designers or people looking to get into the design field listening to the show. We've gotten questions from them before. And I know that you're a business coach and um, very passionate about female entrepreneurship. So do you have any, you know, things that you recommend to emerging designers for the the way to grow their business, things, steps they need to take before they open their business, that kind of thing? Yeah, I do. I do. I found, um, and the reason I started this was really over the last like eight or nine years that I had to recreate the will. And it's hard to kind of get it right and to be a profitable business. Clients over overtake things if you're not strong in your process and your systems and things. So I finally did get to a point where I could see the success. We were making money. We're profitable. Things were going along easily. And it wasn't a clear path to get there. I had setback after setback after setback. And I pushed through, pushed through. So it, being a former teacher, I was like, I want to help aspiring designers do this without, like, I want, here's a shortcut. Like, cut out all the fluff. Like, let's just do this, right? And so I figured out that, um, you know, design fees and the furnishings, you know, and, and you can grow a profitable business by being smart in the way that you sell your product. And there are different ways to do that. And so I actually teach um, a course on creating co-ops and buying, you know, wholesale and, you know, in how you price it for clients. But I've just realized, and again, in through this process, I really enjoy working with my design students one-on-one. Um, I can see the growth. I can dig into their their businesses and make specific recommendations 
for them. But, you know, if that's something that, you know, is some that aspiring designers can't afford or don't want to invest in right now, there's tons of, you know, the Facebook groups and free, free resources. The flip side of that is there's so many. <laughs> and it's like, advice, advice, and podcasts, and podcasts. And I just, I've just enjoyed it. I love the one-on-one and that's really what I'm offering right now. I figure it out. Like I don't, you know, I, I want to help. I want to help designers who are stuck. I was stuck. I was stuck. I just couldn't get past where I was. And it takes sometimes someone else with a proven record who's been there to help catapult that designer to the next level and to grow. So that is what I'm trying to do. But if you are an aspiring designer, I would, I would say if you're young in your career, think about relationships, be trained in AutoCAD, Uh, uh (laughs) Uh, you know, and then think about how to outsource some of it. Because if you're on that gerber wheel and you're in the weeds so much, save for that first person, whether it's a bookkeeper or junior designer, um, just to help you do some of the things that is going to free mm-hmm. up your time. Well, that was interesting what you mentioned about um, processes and having structure so that your clients don't derail the process. That makes a lot of sense. You know, saying we have, this is how we do this. And, and they're going to follow this this guideline. Yeah. That makes I sense. imagine you have a lot of strong personalities. Yeah, easy to say. Yes, it makes sense. Not easy to do. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. Easy to talk about, not easy to implement, I'm sure. Yeah, because I imagine you want to please them, you know? It's it's, it's probably part of being a designer is being a pleaser. You know, I I want to bring Mm -hmm. joy to you, so I'll do it your way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there's no way to grow and scale when you do it that way, unfortunately. And you learn. I mean, I still learn after doing this for 20 years. Like, I still learn every single day. We're tweaking our processes and systems and pricing like every single day. It's amazing. And so, you know, I go back and teach my students like all the mistakes that we made and learning experiences and because that's the only way you grow. And it's it's something different every day. It's, um, it's a great career, but it's challenging. And you have to have a very strong work ethic. That's another huge, really a huge tip. You, it's a it's a hard working career, and a lot of designers, yeah, they want uh, what's what's a, another alternative revenue stream? I'm going to design product, and I'm going to do this, and there's an easy way to make more money. Well, there's not. There's just not. And I just really had to dig down and figure out what I was passionate about, and how I wanted to give back, and. Um, this is what I've landed on, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Really Very enjoyed cool. It. <laughs> this is actually a shortcut. That's the thing. Yeah, when you're doing For it them, yourself, it's a there shortcut. are no shortcuts. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a sure. big shortcut. Yeah. Well, speaking of helping people, do we need to help our listeners and answer their question? Yeah, let's do our dilemma. Let's do our dilemma. I love it because she starts with, hey, y'all. So we know she's a Southern girl. Yes. Oh, yeah, she lives in Kentucky. I have been debating sending in a few of my many design dilemmas for a while. I've been listening to your podcast nonstop since I discovered it at the beginning of the year. Lucky for me, I've had plenty of episodes to catch up on, but I'm starting to panic at the thought of being all caught up. 
We'll try to do more. Um, <laughs> our family of three plus a Weimariner live in a 1,700 square foot ranch just outside of Lexington, Kentucky. My husband and I bought our home when we were 23, thinking we would be here three to five years. Well, 10 years later and a baby, we find ourselves needing to maximize uh, the utilization and potential of every square inch. And that's so true. Uh, and put some effort into decorating. The biggest dilemma we have is with a space that is a converted carport, which we recently remodeled. This was previously our dining room, but we find it more useful as a living room since it is the only room in our home with carpet and we have a one-year-old. The room is long and narrow and the floor does slope down slightly towards the door since it is a converted carport. As you will see, we went light and bright with the paint and carpet since there is one entire wall of stone, which used to be the exterior wall, and this room felt like a dungeon pre-renovation. It is truly a blank slate as the furniture was just moved from our previous living space and is honestly past due for replacing. This is the main entrance to our home. Ah, so it's her living room plus her entrance. Okay, so we need an entry moment close to the door to drop bags, shoes, and jackets, and also some sort of larger rug or runner for wiping feet since the room is carpeted. I fought hard for another flooring option, but with the slope flooring, this is really the only thing that works. All right, we believe you. We also use this room for TV watching. And it is a gathering place when we have company. All right. Um, I would love to maximize the potential of the space. So any suggestions for furniture pieces and placement would be great. I also need an overhead light fixture for the living area. And I'm wondering if I should add drapery to the windows in addition to woven Roman shades. All right. That all seems pretty clear. If you're still with me, <laughs> we are, right? I have also attached pictures of the living room, now dining space her former living room, which is now the dining space. Um, we have a wall that used to house a fireplace with the still existing built-ins on either side. And this is in now the dining room. I think we need to open the wall back up at the very least to have a firebox with logs stacked inside, even if it isn't functional. Also, I'm wanting to get a console or a buffet for the empty wall to the right of the door. I don't know what any of that means yet because I haven't looked at the pictures. Um, and she needs a lighting fixture for this dining space. All right. So let's skip down. I'm scrolling down to the room. It is a long room. So uh, her carport, it has a door at one, on one of the short walls, which is her exterior door where people come in. On the other short wall uh, is, another, is a window. Um, on the long wall, when you walk in the door to the right, is a fireplace. And if you go past the fireplace, there's an opening that goes up into the rest of the house. And on the left long wall, there are two windows with about 10 11 feet between the windows. So it's a long room. Like I'd say 20, 23 feet long, 25 feet long, maybe longer. All right. Well, what should she do for furniture placement in this long room where she wants to hang out and watch TV, but it also is an entry. Yeah. Wow. It is. It yeah. is. It's a long, it's a long space and it's, it's narrow. I think that's the biggest hiccup here. But when I look at this, I feel like she's she's at the far end of the room. She's got like a little chest with a with a TV. My initial thought is to put the TV over that fireplace. So if we flip the areas and put a TV over the fireplace, now hang with me here. If we put a sofa right in front, like on the wall. Um, in front of the fireplace, there's no room for a coffee table or anything, but you know, 
an idea would be next to the sofa, even in like maybe the matching fabric or something coordinating to do like two storage big ottomans on either side of the sofa. So then when they're watching TV, they can roll those or move those kind of right in front of the sofa to make like a module type sectional. And you can't leave it, leave them there because of the walkway. So you move them out of the way. And then I feel like um, at, at the door, they have like a, a bookshelf of, of shoes. And I'm thinking vertical storage there. It's You can make that look pretty cool. There are vertical storage you know, systems and things or just odds and ends that you might be able to create, like, like use a bar of white oak and some metal shelving and just to use that vertical, maybe some hooks and things. Um, because it, they're, one they're using now is just too, it's short, right. it's just like two shelves. Exactly. Yeah. So that might be the moment of like, let's drop everything. You could definitely put a little rug right there. Um, and then on the other side of the room, there is a door opening and it's just sort of, there are two spaces where I'm thinking you flank two storage bookcases there because I think that's the place where they could store the toys for their little girl and then put two swivel chairs there because those can actually like you could move those and it could you bring them closer to the TV area if you are having because they said they entertain there too but I think that far side of the room would be nice for the play area um and then you're not, again, you have a, a walkway. I think that she should add drapery. I like the woven woods ideas. And I would love, like, if she did bring in some white oak or some seagrass or something. And, um, But I think some panels alongside of those windows would help. Mm -hmm. And definitely. She only light. has Roman shades on two of the windows. Should she put them on all the windows? I would room? treat all those the same. Mm -hmm. Yep. So add Roman shades to all the windows and then panels as well mm -hmm. and then I would yeah. put like maybe uh, over the if she did move the tv on that brick wall the rock wall that maybe there's a light fixture it looks like the ceilings are low that maybe it's some sort of a one that sprawls out that doesn't come down but it sprawls out and, and mm -hmm. kind of tight to the ceiling yeah and it you know it's elongated and I know she likes blue from her other photos. And depending on how sort of coastal she's going, I mean, a beautiful, like, light gray blue on the ceiling would be really pretty, like a paint. Because she needs it to be bright and airy. But that mm. might be. Oh, I love like the idea of painting light it. Yeah. Gray blue. Might be really pretty there. That's smart. And it could be on both sides of the door. I would probably do like a satin. Because you don't want anything reflective. Um, because most of the times we, we do a flat on the ceiling. So I think either a satin or even a, a flat. I don't think it needs to have a lot of luster to it. Yeah. That's a fun idea. Yeah. It it does seem like the, they've got the, you know, the television kind of mm -hmm. the area shoved at the very far end. It feels very closed or something you know when you look at it like oh that's not comfy I don't want to jump in there so pulling it out into the room makes a lot of sense it can be on both sides or even the side closest to where that sofa is depending on how long that is you could have end tables and lamps there or it might be cool if they really do entertain there that could be like a, a mobile like bar cart or something that 
you know, with refreshments or something. I don't know how close this is really to the kitchen, but a serving bar or cart. So yeah, it's yeah. going to take some space planning. And then her last question, Caroline, did you want yeah. to say something? No, sorry. no, I, that's right. what I was going to say. I was going to say she has some questions about her dining yes. room too. Right. Right. And without, yeah, because you don't want to block it off. And she's got that chaise. I know she's open for new furniture. But yeah, I think that that solution of it being a little bit more modular will give her the flexibility when they entertain and when they're playing with their daughter and the dogs. Yeah. So she has a, a, a little dining room that um, has built-ins that actually the color of the built-ins might be a pretty color for her ceiling. It's sort of like a, I don't know, a, a light blue, greeny gray uh in in the built-ins they're sort of an arch top fill a whole wall except between these two built-ins mm -hmm. used to be a fireplace mm -hmm. that has been covered up and it sort of feels awkward and weird and she's like what should i do with this should i put a fireplace back in this space what do you think you know looking at this so because on either side of this awkward space are those curved niches which i actually love those in those niches, I would take out the white shelves. It's sort of got, um, you know, the two sides to in a flat top. I would totally take those out and either wallpaper back in those niches and maybe do floating shelves, you know, so it doesn't go wall to wall. And it's actually a cool moment. Change the hardware. Um, but I would just leave the bottom, maybe change the hardware there, take those out. Because I love the curve. Like, it would need some sheetrock repair, I think. And in the middle... I'm thinking the same thing, like take, take it all out. If it can be removed and maybe there is an art light at the top and it's just a big, beautiful statement piece of a large piece of art that would be inset because she has a storage so on her side. Just take, make it all a niche instead of having like where the fireplace was. I, okay. Yep. I would do like a, almost a, a niche that's floor to ceiling. I might carry that fur down over all the way over and then Put an art light. Yeah. And so, you know, the, yeah, the piece of art could be five feet. Right. And then if she wants a buffet, she's going to have the buffet on the other wall. So that's more storage. And then a light, you know, she needs to move the light. She has where the fireplace um, hearth used to be like a hole in the floor. What should she do about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Hopefully get more wood and if she could patch it. Okay. You know, if she didn't, it doesn't sound like she really loves the fireplace idea. I mean, it would, yeah. I mean, it would be nice and cozy there too if she did that. But if she wanted an alternative, you know, an alternative idea, I think really making that a moment if she didn't want to fool with the, with the mm -hmm. fireplace again and just notching it all yeah. out. Well, yeah, a little construction there. Would it be weird to put the piano that's in her entryway into her dining room? I wonder how wide, if that would be wide enough. I think I would look at, so when we go back to space planning, and because you would have a bench at the piano, then you have the dining table. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it'd be hard to. So backing the chair out and, you know, hitting the, or, or putting the piano at the, Yes. On the other where, wall. Where she was talking about putting a console. 
because when right now this like right. she said this used to be their living room so you walk into this room from the outside mm-hmm. there's an exterior door here um and you walk into that door and on your left is the space that she is now repurposes her dining area so that it's a large room there's it looks like a nine by 12 rug on the floor mm-hmm. and all the dining is situated on that right i think she'd have to get it right and then she needs to move the light well probably get a new fixture any fixture that that's going to be nice too and i would get one that's nice and airy if art goes there um a little bit you know obviously yeah it's just a semi-flush mount so that would be easy to do. But I think those niches on either side, I think those have huge potential. I just love the arch shape in that. It goes with this, you know, what did what she say? Was a 50s home? Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. The other I think branch, that yeah. could be a really cool highlight. The other little mm-hmm. thing that I want her to do <laughs> is in her in her entry, she has an entry rug. It looks like it's like, I don't know, four by six or something, but it's not centered in the room. It's centered to the, the this is where she has her piano. In the empty and space. And so it's centered in the empty space to the to the side of the piano. I'm like, just center that thing in the room and put the piano on top of it. It looks wonky off to the side like that. Don't do that, Courtney. Yeah, and, and here's, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, an idea, she did move that because she talked about like needing more storage. It could be that one side is total built-ins narrow storage or both sides. And then, yeah, you would definitely get a runner would be nice there actually, just so you could center it like we're talking about. Um, but yeah, moving it over and centering it on those doors would be a really quick fix. You're right. So she says something about, um, yeah, adding storage into this entryway. And she talks about putting her toys here. And I just want, I mean, I obviously understand the need for toy storage, but here's the thing. And and maybe there are other schools of thought on this, but I feel like the toy storage needs to be where the playing with the toys happens. Like if you're halfway across the house, your kid is playing in the living room, then you need to store the toys in the living room. You're not going to want to like, you know, pick up all the toys and walk to go, go back and forth across the house to store all the toys in this room. So, you know, maybe she can kind of rearrange stuff to where something that had previously been stored elsewhere is stored here. But I just, I feel like she won't actually put things away if the toys are stored here in Right. Which seems, you know, sort of halfway across the house from where she's unless there they're playing, unless so. they're outside toys that go in this. True. Be- because if yeah. she flanked it with storage in the in her carport area and maybe these are outside, maybe it's baseball you know, bats or know, yeah, whatever. Larger. Yeah. yeah, like your exactly, outdoor right? toys. Yeah, that makes sense. And who knows? But you're exactly right. Having the function, the storage in the same room, obviously it's going to, and you're, it's going to be easier. Yeah. To pick and it like up. you yeah. said, Tracy, cause you're picking, I mean, it, I was going to say flanking that door like, in the family room with storage mm-hmm. is going to solve her problem. Hopefully. Right. And I would do those both yeah. the same. I think having that symmetry on either side of that door would be, would be really nice. And you can, I mean, there are beautiful display pieces that are tall, the, using that vertical space again, beautiful hardware. And that's, easy to change out with some inexpensive storage items. Um, but yeah, I think again, because they are, they're a larger family. Now they do have to be super creative with that storage area. All right, Courtney, 
that's enough to get started. She's like, I Good look luck. forward to my marching yes. orders. We're like, oh, there you go, Courtney. We gave you some. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ready, set, go. Awesome. Well, so nice to meet you, Tracy. Uh, absolutely. Well, tr- yes. Nice meeting you both. This has been fun. It was so fun. Thank you so much. And can you sh- tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work? Sure, sure. So our the design firm is just Tracy, Terry, C-I, Connell, C-O-N-N-E-L-L, interiors.com. And the um, the coaching website is just tracyconnell.com. On Instagram, we're at Tracy Connell Interiors. Awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast.ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating!